Just keep doing your part. Just don't give up. Welcome to the Athens First UMC Sermons Podcast. I'm Sarah Lawing, Director of Online Productions. We hope you'll enjoy this weekly resource. Our scripture lesson can be found in the book of James, the fifth chapter, verses 7 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord read in your presence this day. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my beloved, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may fall not under condemnation. Let us pray. Speak to us, O God, for your servants. Listen this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I read this week that patience is the ability to endure in difficult circumstances. Let me repeat that. Patience is the ability, the capacity to endure in the midst of difficult circumstances. It raises a question, how are you doing? Are you doing well with that? Are you enduring during these uh, difficult circumstances? The old spiritual says all God's children got troubles. This is an interesting time because we share in the same trouble. We all have the same trouble, don't we? We're all living in this thing called a pandemic. How are you doing? Are you patient with it? Are you maybe grumbling or swearing a little bit as a result of it? Probably a little bit of both. But we've all got troubles. One of the things that I thought was about this time is that because we all were entering into it, The entire world is a part of this. This is not restricted to Athens or the state of Georgia or the United States of America. This pandemic is a part of the world we're living in right now. And I thought the result of that would be that we would be drawn closer together. That the adversity and the challenge of this time would bring us together. But as I look around, I do think that is happening But I've been somewhat disappointed in that the adversity has sort of torn us apart too. And we find ourselves arguing with one another and about a wide variety of things. It seems that we're struggling to come to agreement even in a time uh, that is affecting all of us. We're all in the same boat together. What differentiates us from one another is how we respond to this time. And there are lots of different choices. We can make decisions about how we want to live, how we want to respond to the time that we're living in. 
Have you ever heard the story of the oyster? Probably not because I made it up. But I'm going to tell you a story today about uh, the oyster. It may be a parable. It may be my first parable. But let's consider the, the oyster. Once upon a time in the land of the bivalves, sand slipped beneath the shell of an oyster. And it was an irritant to the oyster. It bugged the oyster. It hurt. It was something that the oyster uh, could not escape. And so the oyster began to grumble about it and began to swear about it because it hurt. And it was bothering him. And the oyster said, Why, O Lord, why me, of the millions of oysters in the sea, why did sand have to creep beneath my shell? Why could it not have been someone else's shell? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Why in my world does this have to happen? And so he grumbled and he swore. And then he remembered a bedtime story his mother had told him. The title of the story was, Don't Hug the Mountain. You see, Mother Orsha was reading a book, Finding Hope When God is Silent, by Ben Patterson. And Mother Orster read the story of Ben Patterson uh, to her little boy Orster. And in the story, Ben and three of his friends are climbing the mountain at Yosemite that is Mount Lyle. It's covered with a glacier to a great extent. Two of the climbers were experienced and excellent. Two of the climbers were average. One of them was Ben. As the day passed, and it was going to take about a day to get up and to get down, Ben noticed that the two more experienced climbers were well ahead, and they were increasing the distance between themselves and he and his partner more and more with each passing hour. So finally, he decided to take a shortcut. And so he took this shortcut in an effort to catch up, and he ended up in a rock area that was sort of a cul-de-sac of rocks. And it brought him back out to the glacier where he was trapped. He had nowhere to go because if he stepped out on the glacier beneath him, he would slide for days, if not months. And so he began to call out for the two experienced climbers. He called out for about an hour, but finally they reached him. And one of them said to him, Ben, I'm going to step out and I'm going to take my axe and I'm going to chop two footholds in the ice. You step out and you put your first foot in the first foothold and immediately follow with your second one. And he said, we'll reach out to you and be able to get you. He was only 10 feet away from solid rock. But he could not get there without their help. And so the more experienced climber leaned out and chopped a foothold in the ice. And then chopped another foothold in the ice. And the last thing he said to Ben was this, you are going to want to hug the mountain, Ben, as you step out. Don't hug the mountain. In fact, if you do anything, lean away from the mountain. If you hug the mountain, you put yourself at a more difficult angle. And you could slide for days. 
So Ben Patterson said he stepped out, he stood up as straight as he could, he put the right foot in the right foothold, the left foot in the left foothold, and his two companions reached out and drug him to safety. And as the oyster is thinking about his mother's bedtime story, he realizes that he can continue to grumble and swear and complain about his circumstances. And that's what we can do too. Or he can replace his fear and his frustration with the ability to take a step of faith and another step of faith so that he can make his way to something that is more solid. And so the the little oyster stops grumbling and stops swearing and stops complaining and decides faith is a better path. Faith is a more exquisite step for him. And he thinks, well, how should I respond to this irritant? And he begins to bleed a little bit because that pebble of sand is still beneath that shell and it hurts. And the blood drifts around in the water. And he decides that he will no longer grumble and swear. He will be a stoic. He will take it. He will take it with courage and with pride. Bloodied but unbowed, as the poet says. And then he remembers something his dad taught him, a poem. And it goes something like this. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all other oysters doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think but not make faults your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can fill the unforgiving moment with 60 seconds worth of distance run. Yours is the earth, little oyster, and all that's in it. And what is more, you'll be a oyster man my son. So he decided he would suck it up and he would be a stoic. He and his dad had watched many Super Bowls together. And in all of those Super Bowls, that team that was losing, when they would reach the end of the game and the final buzzer would sound, they would stand there bloody but unbowed. They would not weep because they had lost They would not give in because they had been defeated. They would stand with some sense of honor and pride despite the fact that they had lost. And so maybe Stoicism was the way forward. The oyster pondered what his father had taught him. The words of the poem rang in his heart. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. But then he began to think to himself, is that really the best way? Just sit here and endure it. His mother had always taught him this, do the good that only you can do. 
Do the good that only you can do. And so the oyster uh, began to think about the good that he could do in this situation. And he began to secrete this milky substance, something that God had given him. This amazing gift that God had handed into the responsibility of oysters everywhere. And he began to spin that milky substance around that pebble, that little grain of sand. And those sharp edges began to soften. And by the time that he had finished, he was no longer a grumbler and a swearer, and he was no longer a stoic. He was a transformer. Because he had taken that grain of sand and he had transformed it into something that divers would dive deep for. He had transformed that grain of sand which had irritated him and made him angry and had caused him to bleed into something of great value. And the day would come when someone would dive for that pearl of great price. How are you doing? Patience is the ability to endure difficult circumstances. Are we complaining, grumbling, and swearing? Because James is saying, when we wait, wait, there is a certain way to wait. And it is not by grumbling, and it is not by swearing. We can try to give a stiff upper lip or we can do what God has called us to do. We can use what God has given us to transform the circumstances of our lives. What will it be? Do you remember the story back in early December when the virus was raging? of the Dairy Queen, I think it was out somewhere in Minnesota. Someone drove through the Dairy Queen drive through and they said, I want to pay for the person behind me. That happens. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, okay. That happens. You, you pull up to the window and, and the guy or the girl says, hey, the person ahead paid for your order. And you go, wow, that's awesome. And, and you enjoy it and you drive away. But on this occasion, the person who paid for the order, the woman who came up next to, to, to pay for that order that had already been paid for, they said to her, the man in front of you paid for your order. But then the girl that worked at Dairy Queen looked at her and said, would you like to pay for the order behind you? And the lady said, yeah, I kind of would. So she paid for the order behind her. This was on a Thursday afternoon. That didn't stop until Saturday afternoon. Every order at that Dairy Queen was paid by somebody else. They had money coming into the Dairy Queen just to pay for the orders that people made at the drive through window. And we say, well, that's kind of a silly story. Not really. It's a chain reaction that was begun by one person who decided, I'm going to pay for your Dairy Queen meal. It might have been a small ice cream. 
We are, we are, we are wired that way. We are wired to be connected to each other, to be in relationship with each other. We thrive uh, in the the context of the relationships we have with each other, the love that we share with others. And so sometimes magic happens. Magic happens when somebody lays out two or three dollars and says, I'll pay for yours. And you decide, I'm going to pay for yours. And then you decide, I'm going to pay for yours. And suddenly, what begins to happen? Let's keep this alive. Let's keep this going. From Thursday to Saturday at a Dairy Queen, people paid for each other's orders. You would do that. You would pull up and if they said, somebody just paid for your order. Would you like to pay for the next one? You'd say, yeah, I'll be glad to do that. Because that's just who we are. We look around at our world right now, and I don't know what you see. I don't know whether you see a a world that is troubled, a world that is in decline. But I see beneath that surface a world that still wants to hold on to each other. A world that wants to fight this virus. A world that wants to get beyond this. A world that wants to connect with each other like we always did. A world that wants to laugh together and hug and shake hands and have lunch with one another. That's what we want to get back to because that's who we are. That's how we're made. And any time we are not reconciled with each other, it disturbs us. We don't like it when we're at odds with each other. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. This is my commandment. That's how we're made. And we know that. Live up to who God has created you to be. Never live beneath... God's gifts for you. Never live beneath God's love for you. Live up to that and and into that. Do the good that only you can do. And to say with James, stop grumbling and stop swearing and stop with just the stiff upper lip. Start transforming Start doing what you can do. Make the world a better place. Yesterday we gathered at Oconee Hills for the graveside of Burt Maxwell, the person we stood for this morning. Burt was a long-time member of this church. Several years ago he came by the office and he sat down and he said, Well, Chuck, I think we need to order another pen. And I knew what he was talking about. It was a Sunday school pen for perfect attendance. When I was a kid, I got one year of perfect attendance in Sunday school. We'd go on vacation and I'd get dropped off at some strange church and go to Sunday school. My mother grew spiritually all the days of her life and she remembered that. 
if I ever wanted something from my mom, I could just say, well, mom, you're the one that used to drop me off, a little boy all alone at some strange church and send me in to go to Sunday school while y'all went back to the campsite and had a big time. <laughs> one year, I'll be honest, as a 10-year-old, it seemed like eternity. Bert came in, he sat down, he said, we need to order a pen. I said, okay, what year is it? He said, 70. I haven't missed Sunday school in 70 years. Patricia said they were in Paris traveling. They woke up on a Sunday morning and they hailed a taxi or whatever it is you call them in Paris. And they said, we need to find a church. We don't know where one is. And the taxi driver took them to the place where he thought a church existed and it was nothing but a big hole in the ground. And the taxi driver said, well, I guess they tore this one down. And they said, well, take us to another one. So they got to another church in Paris and Bert went to Sunday school and worship because he didn't want to miss. We pin that 70-year pin on him right here. There's no way you can let 70 years of consecutive Sunday attendance in Sunday school go by without some sort of recognition, right? So I said, Bert, he didn't want to, but I said, Bert, we need to... We need to do this in the context of worship, to put that pin on your chest that you've not missed Sunday school in 70 years. And so we did that day. It was a great joy. I asked him to say a few words, and he did. And when, when we left together that day, he looked at me and he said, get ready for 75. He got 73. The beauty and goodness of my vocation is that I get to meet and know people like Burt Maxwell. And people like you. This is a much better world than we give it credit for sometimes. Because you're in it. And because Burt Maxwell blesses the lives of all he comes into contact with. He and Patricia were married 61 years. She said, I never remember one day of our marriage when he didn't wake up and the first thing was read his Bible, do his devotion. 61 years of reading first thing. That devotion in his life, that, that
that transforms us. Those are things that we can do that make us different. And we find ourselves grumbling and swearing less, just trying to keep a stiff upper lip less. And we find ourselves being transformed by the circumstances we're in, regardless of what they are. And when we become transformed, when we become better, when we become uh, people who secrete something that protects us and protects others, we're doing the good that God has given us to do. One word describes Burt Maxwell for anyone who knew him. This is not an exaggeration. I would risk this. If, if I knew that any of you knew him really well, one word described him. That's not usually true, but everyone who thought of Burt Maxwell thought of one word. Kind. He never returned evil for evil. Never saw him do it. He returned good for evil. He was someone who had the capacity to turn the other one to you if you hit him on that one. That's just who he was. But that doesn't just happen. That is the result of years and years and years of abiding kind. He was a kind, kind, kind man. He was an extra miler. Let his life and let his legacy not die in this place, but let it continue in this place just as so many others' lives and legacies have continued here. Those that you remember, those that you know who have walked these halls and sat in these pews and blessed the lives of all that they knew. And let that be your legacy. Let that be said of you when you can no longer find your place or take your place in the pew. Do all the good that you can do. Do your part. You don't have to do anybody else's part. And you don't really have to worry about anybody else's part and whether they're doing it or not. Just keep doing your part. Just don't give up. Don't quit. Bert Maxwell lived his last day as living it as fully as he could. God deserves nothing less than that from us. So do the good you can do. And may it be said, when you live your last day on this earth, the world's a better place a better place. Some lives have been transformed and blessed because you have been here. Because of who you are and how you have lived. Let that be our life and our legacy. Let that be the legacy of this church. 
That one on the corner of Hancock and Lumpton and Washington and Lumpkin, that place, the people of that place have made this community better and fuller and richer and more beautiful. Because of their love and their faith and their kindness and their goodness and their patience, because of their unwillingness to just grumble and swear, because they decided to, to walk a different way, to travel an extra mile. And we are blessed because they have been there these many years. Come on, church. Come on. We can do this. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC. Oh, Lord, I'm getting ready.